Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with co-host Guy. This is episode 119, and you've guessed it. It's a Friday special. It's 120. It's 120. <laughs> and it's a Friday special. That's the thing. Again, we said it last week. We'll say it again. You don't know what you're going to get with us now. Sometimes it's a Tuesday, then we throw in a Friday. You've got to be on your toes. It's unpredictable. Um, <laughs> today, we've got a guest on um, who we've already recorded the podcast. This is We're doing this intro after. We had on the podcast Martin Borgmeyer. Now, if you don't know the name yet, you soon will know the name yes. because he is one of the longest drivers of the golf ball on the entire planet. It literally goes Kyle Berkshire or Berkshire, how you pronounce it, Guy Charnock, Martin Borgmeyer. So that's how good he is. He's top three. He is literally <laughs> top three. So Martin um, fl- flew over from Germany. So at the start of this video, we've just literally picked him up from the podcast. Uh, from the hell, from the podcast, we just picked him up from the airport. Yes, um, and then we just go into loads of detail about how far he hits it, why he got into long drive, the sport of long drive itself, yes. because it's something I'd never realised before, but it's intense. Well, I think that's why this is such a good podcast because obviously. Firstly, he can talk. He's a very charismatic guy. He's German, but his English is absolutely Incredible. phenomenal. We went out for lunch with him after the airport before we then came and did this. And you're chatting to him, and it's just like everything you say, he's, he's, he, you know, it's all the kind of lingo. He's, he's, you forget he's German. And then he did, he did a voice note to somebody, didn't he? I was like, oh, yeah, you're German. You're speaking in German. I was like, that's man, you can speak German. <laughs> he speaks better English than we do he sometimes. Does. And, yeah, he said his story, the, the the whole world of long drive is something that I think a lot of golfers kind of know roughly it exists. But to hear, actually, the stories about how, you know, people make a living from it, how they want to improve, how the actual tour as such could improve, it's very interesting, very insightful. So you might be getting ready for this podcast thing. I'm not, I don't really care too much about long drive, I honestly think the insight that Martin gives us might just give you that kind of encouragement to maybe watch the next tournament mm. or watch what's coming up next or the World Championship towards the end of the year because it is fascinating. And also what Martin does as well towards the end of the podcast, he gives you some top tips about how you, watching and listening, can hit the golf ball 12 yards further. Well, this guy knows his onions and so much so, and he'll say this a lot more in depth in the podcast, He's big mates with Bryson, like genuinely very good friends with Bryson DeChambeau, who um, Bryson reached out to him to get some tips on hitting the ball further. And we all know that's worked for Bryson. So yeah. this guy knows his stuff. If it works for Bryson, it can work for you. So sit back, relax, enjoy this fantastic Friday special episode with one of the longest drivers in the world, Martin Borgmeier. Yes, it's a good one.
And just like that, we're back. We've been to the airport, we've been to the driving range, and now we're here with Martin. Um, you know what I want to start off with? Explain to the listeners and viewers your, like, maximum numbers you've ever got on driver distances. Oh, wow. Give, give, give the audience what they want nice and early. <laughs> well, that's... Because that's so relative, right? It depends so much on the day and all of that. But I know you want to talk records. You're chatting to someone in in an elevator and someone's literally said to you, oh, you're a long driver. How far do you hit it? What's your stock answer? I know. My stock answer is my longest one was four. 439 actually on a sim it was 475 or something but if i crank up like the sea level to 10,000 feet i can hit it like 700 yards yeah that's how relative it is and then i tell them like it's about the speed actually because that's comparable wherever you go that's always the same and the fastest one i've ever hit was 231.9 that's been a world record for a long long time and right now i'm on the hunt so hunt to break it to get that into perspective 231.9 miles per hour yeah. of ball speed when hitting driver yeah that's incredible to give the listeners a little bit of a baseline i kind of pretty much max out at maybe 162 sometimes i'll get near to 165 but my average is about 160 so you're 70 miles per hour faster ball speed Actually, on quad, the other day, I've seen you at, like, low 160s, right, with range balls? Yeah. Is that about right? I mean, to put that in perspective, on a quad, I can do that in club speed. I don't mean to brag, but I, <laughs> no, I, I feel like I feel, <laughs> that I, feel is I am a little bit, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, in today's podcast, you know what I really want to get into and really get involved in? Obviously, a little bit about you, because I feel like you're very much at the start of your kind of long drive journey. Obviously, you've been there, done that so far in the last few years but you know what i also want to give give the listeners and i want a bit of an inside what does the dr- long drive world actually look like like i feel like it's such still a mystery like certain things like how many events where's it played around the world you've got the world championship you've got the is there a european championship like all these things i actually don't know the answer to so i don't know how you can simplify that but what's what is the ultimate um, award for someone like you a long drive let's start there first that's very simple that's a world championship so the world championship that's once a year yeah okay and where does that normally play get played uh so the last two have been in mesquite nevada okay so that's the famous place with a mountain in the back perfect grid that's well our fairway right we so explain how how wide is a grid that's between, let's say, 35 and 60. Mosquito's 60 yards wide. So there's no, it's not a set mark. It's not a default yardage. It can vary venue to venue. It's like par in golf. Okay. Some are like 70, 73. Well, it depends a little bit, but we have our, like, parameters. So back, let's say let's say it's 60 yards, okay? Yeah. Mos- a mesquite each year, last two years. And how do you get into that? Like, what's the, how do you get, how do you step up on that grid to, to even contend to be a world champion? So, one thing, when anyone that starts their long drive journey figures very, very soon, yes, speed is amazing, but it's actually about dealing with conditions. Because just like out on a golf course, you're facing different winds. So, that's the most important bit. Weather. Depends on the sea level a lot, but wind obviously being the biggest factor, and you have to be good enough 
versatile enough to deal with a headwind, with a tailwind, with a wind of the left, wind of the right, and all of that to be, well, able to win a world championship because that one is played over four days. And being fast and good on one day is one thing, but if the wind switches on the next day, well, good luck. And is it all knockout? Um, kind of is. So what we do is, so the idea of long drive is everybody we only compare numbers that are hit at the same time because you cannot compare a distance that's being hit two minutes later because the wind could have switched right so we play with four guys at the tee box at the same time everybody's playing a different color ball yeah and they're being measured live at the grid in the grid so there's guys out there in the grid actually radioing back the numbers so you're competing if you're in if you're one of those four you're competing against those three other guys at that time yeah and we play in in groups of 16 guys so and we're shuffled around so everybody's facing everyone at some point of time and we're switching tee boxes as well so color of balls and then those distances are being compared with four guys at the tee box at the same time the longest one of that set is getting 200 points the second one, 150 and 25. So it's more when like a lead table. True. And when you don't hit it in the grid, you get zero points. And how many shots do you get in that particular? Six. You get six shots. And what is, what's what's a reasonable percentage of shots that go in the grid? Some are like at one out of six. Others are like six out of six. It depends. So it can, it depends it can vary. so much. So for me, last year it was two and a half. I want to make it three and a half this year. So let's see. That's pretty much when I'm over fifty percent. That's really good. So that means you get more, obviously, more consistent shots in the grid. Yeah. So also, you have more chances for better bounces. The more you hit in the grid, it's not only about where the ball lands; it's about how it bounces. And well, maybe sometimes there's a bit of a gust, right? You want to use. So the more you put in, the better chance you have. That's fascinating already. I feel like I'm already learning lots. So you get that you get that league table, and then does it filter down to knockout? So have of that group of 16 is advancing the other half is being eliminated and we start at like 128 players or so oh, so there's a lot oh yeah and then down to the final eight right do the same thing again at the round of 16 and then when it's down to eight we separate those in two groups of four do the same thing again cut in half then four and then it's the final with only two wow yeah that's fascinating how where's What's been your highest place finish so far in the world? Last year it was top three, so top four, actually coming tight third. Well, still, well, wasn't happy with that, obviously, right? I want to win it every single time I go there, and but I was just happy to be honest with you. It's been such a long break with COVID. I couldn't compete for two years. Of course, so that ball that I mentioned in the beginning, the two thirty one point nine was on March, I believe, 19th in 2020. So I was ready. Yeah, yeah. World. I was yeah. ready, but I couldn't show anyone. So you have to obviously peak your performance to get ready for that. Absolutely. And that's something I need to figure out myself because I've, well, I observe certain things that happen to my speed over time, but I'm experimenting with like different taper periods. That means like how many days do I take off before an event to be the fastest? Then most of the events, like the one in like 10 days, it's only one day. So you hit in the morning to qualify, kind of the same system that I mentioned. And then in the afternoon, it's like the top 16 and we go down to the winner because these events are not as big. It's not 128 players or what it's of like course. 32. So that's a one day event. That's an easy one. You taper, you do your recovery and you're good to go. But over four days, prime that because you got to hit every single day. Yes. How do you practice with that? You don't have any time off. 
How much do you win if you win Worlds? 125, I believe it was last year. No, no, that's wrong. No, 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 that's wrong. It, it was 50 last year, but it's supposed to be 125 this year. $125,000. Yes. And then what does second place get? Um, I would guess 50. Okay. I haven't looked at the table, to be honest with you, because I, I don't mind. I don't do this for the money. It's amazing that there's eventually some money in there, but I don't go out there to win money. I go out there to win that Do belt. I want that belt. Just speaking then about, obviously, why you do it, I feel like we've jumped in really hot I know, in terms sorry, of like, I know. all these questions bombarded, <laughs> but like I think what's what's mad for me is that, like obviously, everyone listening to this podcast plays golf to some degree. Yeah, A lot of people will be aware there is this kind of sport of long drive, but it really is a niche sport within the sport. And kind of... One of the things I was kind of wondering, really, and I think you've told us briefly, but it'd be good to kind of tell us in more depth, obviously, on the podcast, is how, I'm taking you were a golfer, how do you kind of branch off from kind of authentic golf into this kind of world of, of long driving? How big actually is it? I feel like it's bigger now with this kind of presence online with social media, but is it still super niche? It definitely is, but there's some things that are definitely transferable to golf, and that's why so many players actually approach me and all the other guys as well because they see what kind of speeds we put up and they're asking themselves, what of this can we use for golf or what's super contradictory? And well, over time, by working with so many guys, we kind of have a better idea of what makes sense for golf and what does not. And then in terms of eyeballs, in the meanwhile, I mean, with Bryson DeChambeau competing last year, obviously a lot of people were interested in how he would do and then they saw long drive and they got hooked and now i hope this year is going to be well one of the rocket years for long drive definitely not only in terms of eyeballs but also in terms of people coming out and try to qualify try to try to compete and see how they do because you don't know how you how good you are until you try so let's rewind you're right we had we did jump in a bit hot there <laughs> let's rewind that so you you would have played golf growing up right yeah so what what did you get your handicap to well, um, and do you still have handicap? Uh, I believe so. I've never checked it. I mean, for a long time, as soon as you make money by doing something with a golf club, I feel like you turn pro. Yeah. I I guess they changed that rule last year or so. But well, I don't really care because I don't play any tournaments. So. So what uh, did you turn pro? What did you? When you last playing golf properly, yeah. what was your handicap? At the age of fourteen, it was three. That's the last time you played golf properly? That was 16 years ago. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like, do, you, do you even, if someone says to you, oh, I, I, I recognize you, you're that golfer. That's probably not really true to what you are. Yeah, well, I'm I'm the sprinter. I'm not the marathon runner or like the decathlon athlete or whatever. Right? I'm, I'm like the, the drag racer. Do you ever still play golf? Not really. So, I mean, it's a huge part of my practice. I hit a lot of iron shots as well to yeah. to go through my routine, go through the motions and all that. It's the basis. It's the fundamentals, obviously. Without that, you can't do long drive. But around a golf, well, maybe two a year. My God. And what do you reckon you'd shoot if you just went out and played tomorrow? It depends so much on the course, on the PGA Tour course. I hope I would break 90 yeah. on my course out there. It's like mid-70s. Because there's, I, I always... I, Whenever long drive gets spoke about, certainly online, yeah. it's like, well, why doesn't he be a tour pro? Or it's because he can't putt. Mm -hmm. Like, is there any actual truth in any of those statements? <laughs> so my putting, my putting has always been pretty good. So I was around 30, maybe sometimes under 30 putts around, also as a junior. Also, my short game is quite sharp around the greens. But the issue that well came about by hitting it so fast and long 
It's actually anything between 60 and 150 yards is really tough when yeah. you don't practice it. Yeah. Because I've, well, I can hit my 58 degree 150 yards if I want to. It doesn't make sense on course but because it spins like hell and, well, you can't control it. But now hit it 72 or 98 or 114. You, you struggle to hit those shots. I, I mean, it's guesswork <laughs> because I, I never do it. I never practice it. It doesn't make sense for my job. Yeah. You know what's mad though? I've seen you hit balls twice now in the flesh. When we went down to London and then today when we went to Manchester, hand on heart, and I don't know if you agree with this, I don't know many people I've come so close to who hits it as good as you do. In terms of actual strike Just as well. strike it- and sound and flight. Like, there's not many golfers I've been present with who hit hit it as good as you do oh stop it rig i, I feel like i only had a good day <laughs> I think it's, no it's 100 percent. you're hitting that one iron that you were absolutely flushing but you know people understand that to catch a one iron which you don't even see anymore well it has to be hit with speed at the center and the it, speed you're generating obviously centers a strike it was just pure it just like say it if anybody at that driving range if we would have said watch this guy hit a one iron what does he play off and what does he shoot? Yeah. What do you reckon the response would be? A, well, they probably say he's a tour pro, he doesn't have a handicap. They think you were a tour pro. Yeah, so, I mean, when I look at driving ranges at tour events, like European tour events or PJ tour events, it's so boring. It's, well, they, the actual, or what's actually impressive about what they do is that it's so boring that they do it over and over again, the same shot, same distance, same shot shape. Shots under and 100 well, yards. And, and the thing is, when, when I step up and hit a golf ball, people are impressed because they've never seen it before. Because when a, whenever you, let's say you make a long putt, everybody, has, anyone out there has made a long putt at some point in their golfing career, right? That's, I mean, that's where you make the money eventually as a tour pro, but everybody has done that. And no one has ever, or not a lot of people in this world have, hit a hit a one iron right so that's probably the difference why it's so impressive because they cannot do it you can hit the same shot as like tommy fleetwood like you just that's do true. it you just that is true you, <laughs> <laughs> you just do it less less those, often yeah those right. six inch puts i'm just <laughs> like tommy i'm literally exactly the same um so you're 14 when you kind of playing off three handicap did you even know at that age you could hit it a long way Mm-mm. i had no idea Absolutely not. And people ask me all the time, like, hey, what was your speed back in the days? I have no idea. There was no launch monitors. So I don't know. And also, I never went out and I, there was no lasers either. So I, it was guesswork how far my ball went. I obviously hit it longer than most of my peers, but no idea. You're a pretty tall man. How tall are you? Uh, 6'4", that's 194. When you were kind of 14, 15, were you really tall then as well? Yeah, pretty much. Then I started smoking. Okay. So then kind of stopped. Is that right? Yeah. As I had a really rough time there when I was like, like 16, 17, stopped playing golf. My first motorcycle, all the cool stuff, right? First girlfriend, all that. Started smoking and um, then didn't do it for a long time, but I did it. And that kind of... Got out your system. Changed things. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you pretty much said there you almost like quit golf. Yeah, completely. I, I didn't touch a club for... The truth is probably six years. I always claim eight years, but it's been six. And then then maybe once a year. Yeah, girlfriend started my, uh, well, that that dream of becoming a pro golfer was gone. 
So that, like most kids at 14, yes. 15, we all think we're going to be best golfers in yeah. the world. That that ship had sailed. Yeah. And then you went on off the rails. And what do you? What do your parents tell you? They'll do something like an ordinary job. Go get an ordinary job. Go do do your studies or whatever. Right. Then I did a bachelor's degree. That's what we call we call it dual studies back in Germany. So you're actually working for a company, and at the same time they fund your studies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that that's what like an I apprenticeship did. over here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's an apprenticeship, but also you you get a bachelor's degree, nice. right? So it's both at the same time. Did that, and then the same thing on the job. I did a master's degree in uh, business psychology, and then all of a sudden when I started actual work, I worked in IT project sales. So I was selling IT projects, like large large projects, like millions of euros and did pretty well i i would guess and my clients and colleagues play golf mm. and all of a sudden i had to go back to the golf course and find my golf clubs in the basement right and then I had my my clubs were way too short and stuff. that 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 was the clubs back from the days and like when i was like 14 years old and i mean i started playing golf again and obviously i hit it longer than these guys Sure. Like straight I mean, they, away. They were, yeah, they were like 60. They hit it like 100, 160, whatever, 170 yards when they caught it. So, yes, yeah, sure, I hit it further. So, But I had no idea that it's that much of a difference. Because in the meanwhile, I started playing basketball when I was like 18 or so. And um, because I did not play basketball back in the days, so I was lacking a bit of fundamentals, so no technique and stuff. I had my two moves in the paint, and that's about it, kind of. And in, like, the third quarter, my opponents figured, so I had to do something about it and get stronger. So I went to the gym, gained a lot of vertical jump and all of that to actually make up for that. And that mixture, I feel like, of the technique of the old days and that new strength was, like... Like the vertical mix. jumping is a good golf move, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So you did a lot of that. To a really lot. train your basketball skills. Actually, yes. And and you were getting bigger and stronger. Like, were you a big, obviously you're tall, but were you, were you, did you have a physique when you were younger? Were you no. Kind of no, 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 no. I was kind of more like the lean, tall guy, kind of. So I mean, then, the frame is fairly okay, but as I said, I started smoking. I didn't go to the gym. That was a couple of years later. <laughs> <laughs> so you're into basketball. You were trying to do things to enhance your basketball skill. You, you were getting a job in IT, wearing a suit. Oh, every day, suit and tie every day. I, I have like I, I, I have like twelve suits or so in my still in my closet. Yeah. So then you playing golf with these older clients of yours, hitting the ball a long way, realizing that it's quite a long way. But then what? What was next? What was like the? Was there a next kind of stage of this development? Yeah. So <laughs> that's actually so funny because I was someone from my golf team because. These guys realized, like, oh, he's fairly okay. So I played a bit of golf with him, and uh, they got me on the team like immediately because it was not a very good team. It was like a whatever lowest league team. They wanted to have me on the team, and they figured like, oh, this this guy's actually hitting it a long way. So they signed me up for the German Long Drive Championships Shut in Cologne, up. yeah, in 2017. So and I went there, and I, I had to figure out what Long Drive actually is. Did you want to do it? Yeah, I wanted to do it then, but but I was not. I didn't have the motivation to like sign up myself or whatever right it's, it was like well cool but you give it a whatever I, I i just won the long drive of like the the last cup we've played here at this <laughs> at this course so that's that's pretty good enough right for me but they they signed me up and then i i i was like okay i gotta get this i i actually gotta do well at this one and I read a little bit of info about long drive and what you actually use and what kind of clubs they have and all of that. Oh my and, God. and then I got 
a 48 inch club of eBay to prep for that event. No, way. Right? yeah, yeah, just to to hit a couple shots with it and have like proper equipment. And that's the legal limit as well in long drive. 48 yeah, it still is. Yeah, still is. So I got that long driver, which was a brute back in the days, with like any shaft, anything I could find for like 50 bucks off uh, eBay. And well, used it and actually used it on course as well because I, <laughs> I, I liked it so much and it went so far. And actually, well, I I was mishitting drivers anyway, so that didn't make much well a huge difference. And actually, when I was mishitting it, most of the time it was on the parallel fairway and not in the woods because it was longer, right, yeah. and more off center. So uh, went there. Uh, to that event in Cologne and the full story is actually long story short in the meanwhile I founded another company because on the side on the side as a side job I wanted to do something in the golf industry so with a friend of mine we founded a company that was called Punchline Golf back in the days and we had tees and divot tools and gloves and all that all private label products made in uh, China because we kind of get got into this like well, do you think kind of uh, mindset? And we're like, hey, what are we going to do? Oh, we both have golf in common. Let's try golf. No so, way. yeah, that's where we came up with a couple of products. In the meanwhile, they're all being sold, not very profitable. So we kind of set it to on hold. But uh, that was the actual reason, also motivation to go to that long drive event for me because these the guys sell yeah, stuff. Yeah, they were like, "Yeah, Martin, you have to go there and blah, blah blah." And I was like, "Yeah, well, whatever." But then we discussed this. We we're like, well, "Maybe it's a good opportunity for us to go there, taking some big teams." Yes, yeah, and exactly. And <laughs> even if if you do well, even better, right? So I got that long driver, and um, yeah, then went up there, and I hit the longest ball of the day in Cologne. And uh, came second because I hit the I missed the grid in the final, oh. forty yard grid, and I had absolutely no experience how to handle that situation. Oh right? my god! So how far was your longest ball that day then? Um, that was in meters, and I believe that was uh, three twenty three into wind, it's so like three sixty yards, yeah, three fifty sixty yards, something like that. Wow. Yeah. So that so at that point, then do you think I've got some potential? I mean, did you win some money for that? Uh, no, I was I was playing as an amateur. So I couldn't win any money, but there was a bunch of pros, obviously, that didn't hit it as well. And, um, well, Joe Miller was actually given a clinic that day. So he was he had a job as an entertainer or whatever. He, he did an outing at that event. Just explain to listeners, Joe Miller. Yeah, Joe Miller is a two-time world long drive champion. So he was the, the number one, definitely in Europe, if not in the world at that point in time, 2010 and 2016 world long, long drive champion. And when, in this story that you're telling now, what year is this from? 2017. So okay. he, he, he was the reigning long drive champion oh at that goodness. point in time. And well, because I uh, try to well, at least educate myself a little bit before I went to that event because, you know, sales approach and all of that. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing at least a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah, and try and wing it. Yeah, yeah, and all of that. So I knew about Joe and that guy was there and he was given a clinic and I was watching him hit and I was so impressed. I was like, oh my God, I want to be like that guy. And his backswing was like so long. Very long. Very, very long back in the days. And well, I, I couldn't get past parallel at that point in time because well i was lacking a bit of like mobility flexibility maybe yeah. maybe i just didn't get in that position I, I don't know but for some reason i didn't do it i couldn't do it even on practice swings and then uh, all these guys at that event obviously approached me and were like martin seriously you beat every single one of us and you beat yourself in the final you got to take this seriously 
you can actually become something in this field. So You've got go, the potential. Go, yeah, you got the potential. Go do it. And well, then from that point in time, and also I got Joel's number, by the way. I'm <laughs> very, very proud of that. So, um, and I, I still remember, I put my name, so my contact into his phone, and I saved my name under Martin Borgmeier, 136 miles an hour, because that was the fastest club at speed at that point in time that I ever had. 136, and I was very, very, very proud of that. About Yeah. So, well, for long drive, now it's, well, 140 plus probably for most guys. you you got to have to actually be competitive because there's so many well, guys. 136 is like a sandwich for you now. 136 is, <laughs> yeah, a sandwich, three, three wood, <laughs> a sandwich, three wood, uh, maybe. Yeah, but... um. That's how it all started. And from then on, I actually, I was scraping the internet for information. I didn't find a lot. I found a lot about like launch parameters, a little bit here and there, but nothing about long drive really. A little bit from Lee Cox and Joe Miller, but not not a lot. And well, what I did then is I reached out to Lee Cox, to Joe's coach at that point of time and still is. I was like, hey, um, I really want a lesson because I feel like I got the potential. Here's my numbers. And he didn't respond for a long, long, long time. No. Yeah, I was following up a lot of times with that email. I was like, hey, so you know, I really want to listen. <laughs> and then I finally got an appointment like in, I don't know, five weeks of time or something, like far away. Went there from Munich by car. Wow. So, yeah. So how long was that trip? And that's wow. like by, by with ferry and everything, like 12, 13 hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, put into context, Lee Cox is an English coach yeah. who now currently coaches at the Shire. Is that where he was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, same place. He was yeah. there then. So, you've driven from Munich to the Shire, which is just outside London, Yeah. to go and get a lesson with Lee. Yeah. How long was the lesson? Um, we did three days. Oh, good. Uh, I thought you can say like an hour then. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, dude, we, I, I really want to do this. So let's book in for three days. I mean, not not full three days, but an hour a day or two a day. Yeah, yeah. So five lessons, maybe five hours lessons. And that was so funny because I got there and he knew my numbers. He set up his flight scope and was like, hey, Martin, okay, Mart. He called me Mart, Mart. Hey, Mart, do you want a bottle of water? <laughs> yeah, the first thing, and I was like, as a German, I got there, I was like, oh, uh, is that English? I didn't <laughs> this is English I, not yeah, learned. I, I, yeah, not learned. So I, I definitely figured how I'm lacking in uh, understanding or having a conversation in British English, but whatever. He, he made me hit golf balls with his flight scope set up, and after three balls, he was like, hey, hit f five balls just for me so we get some numbers and stuff. After three, he approached me and he shook my hand and he was like, okay, so we can actually start working because you didn't lie to me. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I bet a lot of people do when they go and see him. A lot of people. And then they, they sent him numbers with like, don't know, 140 club head speed. They it's show up, they're 116 and they're saying they have a bad day. So it's it happened a lot. So he's doing these kinds of things to kind of figure out how that lesson is supposed to be yeah. for him. And then, well, we started working and we worked together ever since. Even wow. during the COVID break, I couldn't see him for like two years, but it, um, we spoke on the phone like on a weekly basis, sending swings back and forth. So yeah, I, I tr still trust him with everything and everything. I get a lot of different information from all different sides. Trust me. Yeah, this is going to make you better. And this is going to break your record, bro. And so on and so forth. I always, so whenever there's something I feel like this might be a thing, 
I always confirm with him if it's worth trying. So okay, it's, yeah. it's really, it's, it really grew into an interesting relationship we have. That's crazy. So from this point then, you said you didn't really play golf in 14, but you kind of semi-took it back up, but then got into long drive quite quickly. Have you not really then gone back playing kind of normal golf at all? It's just been canc- all long drive. All my time at the driving range, everything, because at that point in time, I was still working full time. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you're not yeah. quitting your job. No, I yeah. was still working full time. So the time I had off the job was had to be just long drive. Everything, driving range, everything, driving range, everything, trying to figure out how to get better. Yeah. And I, I have still, I still have videos from like 2017, 18, when I was hitting golf balls at the driving range at like minus seven degrees, snowing, like snow all around. And I mean, nowadays I know that's the worst conditions you can have to actually create speed. But well, I did it because I really wanted to. But when you were kind of going for these lessons, then but still having a full time job, what was the kind? Was it just gonna become a a hobby or was there a, an end goal to do it professionally what were because it doesn't feel like something that is that obvious to turn professional at so what was your real goal at that point at that point of time it was only like they still had the ldt back in the days the european uh, the long drivers european tour mm. and i just wanted to try that tour and see how i would do to then do the next steps because in in the u.s at that point of time long drive was really growing it was on golf channel there was a lot of good guys. There was a lot of money in it. And I was like, well, give it a shot. And then let's see. I've never really, never ever really in life have made like goals in terms of this is the like three-year plan and this is where you need to be. It's always like this is the direction and let's mm. go. Because all that planning and stuff, I, I did so much of that already on my job. I had to yeah. do all these reports and like plans and uh, blah, blah, blah. And all of that was actually only made up from a lot of people actually in like big companies. But um, I was sick and tired of doing this. So I was just, hey, this is the direction. And just do everything you can to get better. And push it, push it, push it, push it. And see wherever you end up. That's, well, the best you could do. That's crazy. That really is. Um, I've got two questions about Germany. Okay. (laughs) First one. The Autobahn. You can go as fast as you possibly want. Yeah. In, so <laughs> I've been on it. It's scary. So if, if you if you don't know this, ex, so in in Germany the motorways are called aut- autobahns. Is that I pronounced yeah. that correctly? Yeah, yeah autobahn. Yeah. And there's there's no speed limit for most of it. Yes, I, I don't know the percentage, but um, we have another sign. You don't know a traffic sign. You don't know in in the UK. That's a white sign with like black stripes through it. Right. So. As soon as you see that sign, you can do whatever you want. And what what what's the fastest you've ever been on the autobahn? Oh wow, uh, me driving like maybe two eighty or something like kilometers. Kilometers. Kil- kilometers. Yeah, that was not my car, but that was someone else's car. So that's like hundred and fifty miles an hour ish. I don't know. Have you done it? You say I. Well, what's even scary? I went and I went, but I was a passenger. Like you were saying, Tim, you got in Rick's car, you're on the wrong side. Yeah. So I was sat, what felt like I was in the driver's position, but as a passenger, doing like 100, not, not stupid speeds, but fast. But what's, what, what speed do you go at? If you're just driving normally then, do people still go like crazy fast? Yeah, so so 200 is pretty much normal, I would guess. Oh right. So, in the, so we, I mean, what we do is we have different lanes. We have the speed lane on the very left, mm-hmm. and then the other lanes are like the slower lanes. And there's a rule in Germany when you're not in the process of overtaking someone, you have to go right. You have to move right. So let's say the the Autobahn is like there's no one in there and you're going 300. 
you're not supposed to do that in the left lane. You're mm -hmm. actually supposed to move over to the right, regardless how fast you are. People don't do that most of the time. They're similar to here. Yeah. We, we, we have the, the same rules. Okay, gotcha. In the U.S., it's completely no, different. very different. That's free so, for all. It's chaos. Yeah. Absolute chaos. Okay, so when you respect those rules, you can actually do that in a very safe way. God forbid. There must be some accidents though at them speeds. Oh yeah, sure there are. Accidents. And there must be worse accidents, surely at those speeds. I, I don't know the statistics, but um, I feel like it's not necessarily that more dangerous. So what we do is, there's still a recommended speed in Germany of 130. So whenever you're having an accident, and that's related back to because you were going too fast, you probably you're fa probably facing a problem with your insurance. I get you. Yeah. Fascinating. My second question. About <laughs> I've, I've always wondered. I, I, I'm going to have to go and try it one time. My other question is: starting golf in Germany is very different to starting golf oh, yeah. everywhere in the world, isn't it? Oh yeah. Explain. So let's say now I'm a 12 year old lad in in Germany. Okay. How do I start golf? So in the meanwhile, it got a bit better. Um, when I was starting at the age of nine, I was the only one doing this actually going to a driving range and hit golf balls there was no other juniors at my club maybe one or two in the meanwhile it's like hundreds so what got you into it but uh it was actually my dad who went to the driving range with a colleague of him so he didn't play golf but his colleague did and um i was with him that day and i loved it i was i was well as soon as the first ball was airborne i was completely hooked yeah, yeah. i loved it and, well, then I wanted to go to the uh, junior, whatever, training, um, the academy. whatever it was, yeah. And that was on Thursdays. And on Thursdays also was basketball because as a very young junior, when I was nine, I already played basketball for a short amount of time. But I decided for golf. So then I from, started from then on. Like, every Thursday was my golf day. But, well, that that's how it's like in Germany still. I mean, there's in school, we don't teach golf. It's all your private stuff you do your it's mostly parents that decide that your their kids well play golf or not it's um a lot very it's very very different to other sports but you need a license oh yeah so there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, that's not only for juniors, but, well, everybody needs a license to actually play golf. There's no, like, public courses you can just show up and play, or a very, very, very few, so maybe, like, two out of 750. So you definitely need, like, a card, a license. What the hell? Yeah, to, to get that. And to get that license, you need to take uh, X amount of lessons or do, like, uh, courses or classes that take, like, four weeks to complete to actually be allowed to go out on a golf course. And the reason why they do that, or well, how they argue that that makes sense, is that you learn how to behave on a golf course, so you're not slowing things down, know how to replace divots, and yeah. all that stuff. Well, I saw um, Eric Anders Lang did a video over there with Scratch TV, mm, and he, he actually did the test. Yeah, yeah. It's quite nerve-wracking, isn't it? I think on paper, <laughs> I'm totally against it because like, it's so such a barrier in it to get people to go and play in golf when you've got to have a license. I think some elements of it in its smallest form, I do quite like the idea of not not so much the behaviour as such, but like understanding how to actually go and play the rules and the etiquette. Yeah, because if you went to go and play on your own for the first time ever, you, you wouldn't know anything, would you? Not, you, you not very even, rare you'd go even go on well, your yeah, own. But you, yeah. you wouldn't know what to do. And certainly, like when you play with a golfer that's a newer golfer, they often don't know where to put the bag, where to put the pin, take it out, and it's all a bit awkward. So it'd be quite good if golf clubs had some level of like not a, a license, but something like that. I think, but to actually have an, a genuine license just seemed ridiculous. So if I was to go over there and the the German the Germany now picked up to a golf course and said, "Can I play golf?" I've not got a license. They would probably ask. So look at this face, I'm Rick Shields. <laughs> Do you want to see my chip? They would. No, please don't. We just got a very simple test. That's not weird. They just see my chip. No, not, not like my doll's fry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chunky chip, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they'd walk out the pro shop and go right. Okay, not a problem. All you have to do is very simple. Uh, hit the green here from ten yards. I'm, I'm not playing golf. I'm I'm not not. Him, so if you said to you hit this fairway from 300 yards, but like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Um, so they would, they would probably ask you for your home course and your handicap, and if that sounds reasonable, then they would allow you, as long as you pay. Do people not lie in Germany about this, though? Well, if you don't know golf at all, you don't know what a home course is, you don't know what a handicap is, mm-hmm. so you could probably, well do some catch-me-if-you-can style, I want to get on this golf course and make it work, definitely. But as soon as you touch a golf club and you can't play, they would figure. I'd love to do the test. Go do it. Yeah, we should do it. There's a video. Yeah. We'll drive over, go on the autobahn, Yeah. fly down to Munich. Yeah. Fly down, like, autobahn it. (laughs) We'll be down there in, like, two hours. And then do the golf license... How long does it take? How long did it take me? The license. I, know, I just want to do the test. Uh, the test itself. So if you can make it on the course, uh, it takes like ten minutes. 
Uh, you, you, you just go to to some course, talk to to the front desk, and there you have your answer. I love it. Um, yeah, the, the, I'm saying I love it. I love the idea of doing it. I, like I say, I'm I'm very mixed with it. I couldn't understand it, and then I must admit, after watching that video that Eric did at Scratch TV, I kind of sat back and went. Yeah, there's bits of this I kind of get. Well, you know, it would be good then in the UK. It wouldn't happen because it would take too much time. But if when you join a golf club, you have an option that the pro could take you out and give you like a half an hour, like yes. kind of, not even a lesson on the swing, but like... Uh, Introduction. Yeah, because there is stuff like, even it sounds silly, but raking a bunker and repairing a pitch mark. We know how to do that. You play golf for years. But if you've never played golf, you might not do that correctly. But food for thought. You were amazed today when we took you to the driving range, weren't you? Absolutely. I mean, that's how busy it was. That place, it was... 11 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, and it was completely packed. So we actually had to find a bay. We had, when we, and then we lost the bay because we went... Yeah, actually uh, two. Yeah, so um, we've got a video coming out with Martin. I'm not quite sure how it's going to come together because as soon as the, the guys at Trafford heard wind that we'd brought Martin down, we actually got... Never happened this. I just got banned from hitting drivers at a driving range because of you. <laughs> Without hitting drivers. Yeah. He just, the peak styles there just kind of looked at Martin. His presence. And, and as his eyes continued Not to today, go Not today, mate. Sleep your hack. Where's he from? <laughs> and he said, um, he said, uh, what are you doing, lads? I'm just going to hit some drivers. Um, not sure if you're allowed to do that because there's stuff around us. There's there's roads. That's and quite stuff. a good flex, though. Not you're not, you're not allowed to drive the driving is just too long. Like for me, I probably wouldn't hit drive because it's going out to the right or left too much. But you're like hitting it that far. If you'd have hit golf balls today with a driver and hit them well, there could have been some consequences. Yeah, some cars might have got smashed. So or bad. I mean, I hit it right and left too. I well, mean, that's there's miss hits and long drive, right? So, oh, but yeah. long left and long right is also kind of dangerous on that one. Yeah. Anyway, that should be a good video coming out. So the next question I want to dive into. So what is right now the current, because you guys, when you chat between you, it's all about ball speed, isn't it? Right now it is, definitely. Yeah. Even a wheelie, it's more about distance, but that comes down to the environment and everything else. So right now, you did have the world record for the fastest ball speed at 231.9. What What is it now? And Kyle, who's broke got it? It, Kyle broke it at Kyle Berkshire. He broke it at, I believe, 234.4. Wow. Is that a big jump then, that two and a bit miles an hour? It sounds it, but is it? It's. Um, I am very, very confident that that record is going to go up to like 237.8 this year. How do you determine a record? Like say if you hit one on GC Quad at your yeah. studio, how is that? That's very debatable. Proved. I gotcha. I feel you. And I see a problem. Yeah. Definitely coming up very soon. But right now what, what happened is, and that was kind of coincidence, because when I broke the record, I went out to the US. That's such a funny story, actually. Long story short is Trump shut the border because of COVID in March 2020. I was in Turkey that time because I just decided to do this full time and did my training camp actually to see some outdoor ball flights because for a long time in Munich, you cannot see a ball flight because it's too cold. You predominantly hit indoors, only indoors actually. So I went out there and saw the news and I booked a ticket to fly over to the US that day and flew the same day because I was afraid at that point in time, you didn't know what's going to happen that mm. night. So I... In, in my head, the U.S. shut the borders and play their full season and everything, and they're just going to live their normal life, and I'm out here in Germany and cannot compete. That's why I flew out. And throughout that flight, 
a lot of things changed already. So I had like over the last six weeks, I had like four events and like appointments, photo shoots and all of that. Everything was canceled during that flight. But I was out there in Charlotte. I, I feel like I, I booked the flight to Charlotte because I, to me it felt like the it's the closest airport. Let's just go to the U.S. and go from there. So what I did is because I had to find a flight back and that was not very easy. Yeah. But I found one from Miami down then to Toronto, then to Amsterdam, then back to, to Munich. So I went down to Miami to the shop of Bobby Bradley. And now comes the, the reason why I tell you all of this. At Bobby Bradley's shop who's one of the long drive guys, five-star custom golf in West Palm Beach. That was the place where Kyle hit the first 230 ball ever, 230.2. That was a couple of weeks before I went there. Then I hit 231.9 in that sim. Same simulator, same everything. Wow. Same ball, same everything the same. And now that's kind of the place, the go-to place to prove your records. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Kyle did the same thing a couple of weeks back, uh, back with the good, good guys, hyping him up and like uh, hitting 234. So that kind of is the place right now that defines the world records. But it's very that, that's, debatable. That's almost become the world record hub. Kind of, yeah. And, wh- and when you say it's a world record, yeah, like, do you get anything? F- like, it's not a Guinness world record, no. is it? No, it's, it's not an official record, but in like in the well group of long drive it's it's an let's say it's an accepted record yes so in the it, world of long in, drive in the world of long drive it's accepted that this is a true number that there's no funky settings yeah. on it or whatnot yeah. because we figure obviously so this is the truth that's actually happening but it's debatable because um balls have different speeds like the top flights we hit in competition, so the top flight bombs are our competition balls, and competition's balls are being provided. You cannot bring your own balls, so that means also no ball sponsorships and so on. The ball sponsorship is more of the organization than the players, and um, those balls are definitely slower than really well-converting balls. And I was hitting that one, 231, in Salt Lake City last year, so I know that if that would have been one of the top converting balls, that's already like a 234, 235-ish. And that's why I know also Kyle can go way faster. He's not at his limit yet. And there's some other guys like Ryan Gregnell who just broke. Uh, no, he didn't break 230. I believe yesterday he was 229.9. Oh. Yeah, that's, well, you can round it up. I feel like he's going to break it very, very soon. So there's a bunch of guys actually coming up and, uh, getting faster and the 230 is the new 220 and that's why everything is growing at the moment eventually it's going to be 240 and then 245 and then we have a whole nother discussion about equipment and all of that so right now what i feel performance wise it's the biggest push we've ever seen in long drive that's crazy you know what for obviously it probably is nothing like it I kind of in my head though, I think of like strongman's being a little bit similar to, to yeah. long drive in some aspects. And obviously when you win like world's strongest man, you obviously get prize money for that. But one of the biggest things with that is this is the fact that for that next year you are the world's strongest man. And so sponsorship wise and events it, it makes you a fortune. Obviously you said before this year it should be hundred and twenty thousand dollars or something to win world's strongest man uh, to win long drive. But is it almost more what you get with that as well? That next year you will be the world's longest driver, and that can just, in other ways, you can monetize that so much more. It's definitely a title that I want to have. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I won the European. That's actually the next part of the story. I won the European Championship. So the next year, when I competed in my first European Tour season, I won the whole thing. 
So I won like uh, five events that season and won the Order of Merit in the end. So I called myself the European champion. Yeah, yeah. But being a world champion is something completely different because, well, the Euro long drive in Europe com right now compared to how it or how big it is in the U.S. It's an insane difference, and it's growing on all different ends, but. Well, COVID kind of gave it a strong hit in 2020, especially in um, in Europe. And the U.S. is recovering way better. But I hope, I just hope, and I see the potential of this growing into a world tour, into a world sport, that eventually in a couple years we have a world championship in Germany, in England, in Japan, in South Africa, wherever. Right, that this is actually a championship that's, well, not always at the same spot, but moving. Yeah, it, it should be bigger because anyone that plays golf, even just casually, when they watch you guys, will be like, find it just ridiculous how far you hit it. But obviously, you came from kind of a golf, well, you did come from a golf background. Is everybody in long drive come as golfers, or is there anyone that's just started who's literally just come as a long driver and they've never even played proper golf? So everybody's got a bit of a golf background. Yeah, you'd think yeah, so. But, but there's a lot of baseball players, actually. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I a see lot, that yeah, makes sense. a lot of baseball players. And I, I see the same potential in cricket, for example, right? Basically, every rotational sport, when you think like hammer throw, like discus, all of that, those those guys are so strong. They just need a, well, good foundation of a golf swing and then mixing the two can be very very dangerous so i see that actually growing and well it's still as it's still a well you can you cannot become a drag race driver without having a driver's license mm. right without driving your own car so yeah. it, it will always somehow be related to each other but um, I see more people actually starting to play golf or come and play golf to just hit it try to hit it far so they don't have the goal to actually play 18 holes, but be driving range nuts yeah, yeah. and then turn into a long driver. So the you definitely need the, the fundamentals, but the reasoning why you actually do that doesn't necessarily have to be 18 holes. Yeah, I do feel like driving range golfers is becoming a thing. I feel like I'm becoming one and I'm actually enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'd say we both are yeah. in a minute. Certainly when the, the weather's bad and you're thinking, like, I would... Oh, obviously, it's my job, but I honestly think if I had an uh, uh, office job and I just play, I wouldn't play golf in the winter. I'd just go to driving range. I could imagine getting hooked to it. But that's it. But also, it's so different. Like at the moment, I've, I planned on this year playing more golf, and I've played a little bit, and I want to play more again. But a full round of eighteen is four hours, three hours, whatever. On a Saturday morning, I'll sometimes go to Trafford where you came today and just hit forty balls, and I can an be, hour, I can leave hour. the house. Yeah, I can leave the house, be back in the same hour, and I'll have hit forty balls. Yeah. And it is, it's like in Japan, it's massive, isn't it? Driving range culture. Yeah. Like it's huge. It's so different. I'm not saying driving range is better than the golf course. It's totally different, but it's, it's almost like a kind of, it is a separate sport yeah. to some degree. I, I remember when I was coaching at Trafford where I was, where I was today, I would coach students for a long period of time. They had no intention of ever playing on the golf course. Yeah. That wasn't even, it wasn't even a job of theirs. Like all they wanted to do was how can I get to that target? Oh, you mean the one hundred and fifty yard target? Oh, yeah. Is that what it is? Yards? I didn't even. They didn't even like. <laughs> Those points. <laughs> they, but the, but the competent hitters yeah, yeah. of golf balls. 
but they wouldn't have a clue what a pitch fort was or a what do you mean on a, bounds? what do you mean on a golf course the tee doesn't pop up out the ground <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean what do you mean on a golf course you don't have these big nets up yeah. the side so i think there is a culture and there's nothing i don't think there's anything wrong I with love that it. i think the more types of golf we have the better for everybody like again a bit different again obviously but like they have the mini golf with the dinosaurs there yeah. that's still golf yeah. to some degree it's just a different type i've got a question Go and back in uh the back end of last year when the olympics was on and golf was the first time in the olympics and we had a lengthy discussion after it about was it good was it bad did we like it did we not whatever it may be i made a point and i'd love to take your take on it i believe long drive should be in the olympics i believe it should be an olympic sport what a beautiful topic <laughs> yes absolutely is the short answer and the long answer is all the sports out there take shot put hammer throw discus it's exactly the same we mm. do multiple tries a little bit of a different time limit comparing each other and best try counts and it's very adrenaline driven and that's that's the difference to golf so what you try in golf is you play four or five hours of golf and you try to contain your adrenaline and pretty much find your flow to play a good round of golf and manage your emotions and all of that in long drive you want to use everything you have to hit it as far as you can in a very short time frame of two minutes and 30 seconds. Yep. And that's adrenaline. That's When I see people showing up at their first long drive competitions, they can be like 40 years old. They're still shaking when they tee up their first ball. Yeah, It's insane. And actually managing or learning to manage that adrenaline, is that's the beauty of it. And seeing that on TV at the Olympic Games... Yes. Be good. I think it's Huge. much more, uh, I'll watch most sports at the Olympics. I'll find myself watching anything. I found myself, you know, even watching random winter Olympic sports This this that's just been recently now in Tokyo. I honestly think if golf was in the Olympics, as, as long drive, I honestly think it would bring a whole new audience there's, there's to long drive. Exactly, there's something about it that's just kind of so, it's almost like, like, Back to our caveman day, you, you smacked in literally a club against a ball. Whoever gets the furthest wins. It, yeah. And I tell you, in golf, when people watch golf that have no idea, non-golfers, as soon as they hear like birdie bogey dog leg, they have no idea what that is. No. And they, well, don't know what's going on. But then, and they don't see the dimensions of a someone hitting a shot and the camera switches, then all of a sudden it lands on the green. So people have no perspective. In long drive, it's the easiest rules you can have. A is playing against B. A hits this distance, B that distance, and B wins. Yeah, It's so simple. It's simpler than darts and everything. Yeah. It's actually the simplest sport you can play. I also think there's extra options you could get. You could have long drive men, long drive women. You could have mixed long drives. You could have double long drives. Doubles, <laughs> You know, you, there, is, there are other alternatives as well available. Yeah, it's very inclusive too. Do you think it will ever happen? Is anyone pushing for it? How, how would that happen? Is there like a long drive, like governing body that would be pushing that? Yeah, so the governing, actually the governing body has been Golf Channel for a long time. And with the COVID break, they set it on hold. So what happened is the players actually founded their own federation, the Pro Long Drivers Association in the US that's running all the events at the moment. And I feel like it's definitely a goal down the road, but right now it's about setting up the sport from scratch. Yeah, because yeah, getting that, it. Does it feel like that? Does it almost feel like it was, or, or is it factually? Yeah. 
it had ended, it was dead. Yeah, it was and dead. And this is the rebirth of Long Drive. Oh, absolutely. And then we've been very, very, very fortunate that Bryson DeChambeau decided to actually come along and try. Yeah. So that actually grew everything and draw drew eyeballs and everything to it. And based on this, we have a chance to make it to the Olympics. But I, I feel like it's way down the road. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know if you knew this, but we're actually really good friends with Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. You know, the tall, you know, the tall guy. Top, he's pretty the, decent. The Puma golfer. kit. The Puma kit. <laughs> yeah, he hits it a lot. He hits it a long way. We should introduce Martin to do, Bryson. Yeah, that'll be a good idea. Should we do that? Should we help you out with that connection? Yeah, maybe. Do you have his number? <laughs> do you have his number? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us where this happened. Like you are legit. We're joking here. You are legit friends with Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Like how how did this come about? How did this happen? Yeah, so there was a period of time in uh, Bryson's career when he couldn't play events because of COVID in 2020 and he decided to well reinvent himself actually and well try speed and because he's seen long drive on tv and was like if i can only get like 10 percent of this it would be a huge impact to my game so he reached out to a bunch of different long drivers and checked like social media for tips actually really yeah and he well reached out to me as well just one day did he follow you out the blue no no he dm'd me he was responding to one of my stories when I was hitting a 205 three wood. Still remember that. I was like, okay, well, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. So when I want to have a discussion kind of style and I asked him a few questions. He asked me a few questions and we always, then we basically started a conversation and well, he, we always agreed on at some point we want to hit balls together and meet in person. But I never had the chance for one and a half years because because I ca- couldn't travel over to the US because the yep. borders were shut. Yep. I had no chance. And I was trying, trust me. And uh, these guys um, in the US started to, like Kyle was very close with him for a long time. And they, they've been doing a bunch of stuff together. And he got some tips from him and other guys as well he spoke on the phone to. So he was, he was really into the speed journey. And then finally, at some point, when when I could make it over to the U.S. and compete, and I finally got my visa and everything, I posted a story like with the American flag, like I'm finally made it, and he was like, "All right, come by." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay." So when because I in between events we somehow um, made it work that that I can spend a couple of days in Dallas and meet him. And in at that point in time, I had no idea how he was like, how he, well, he's living his life and all of that. I didn't even know is he married or not or what, nothing. And I got there and actually first I, I, we texted and we spoke on the phone and we wanted to have dinner that night together. And I was oh, like, okay, that's, nice. that's very romantic. It's <laughs> yeah, very romantic. That's cute. And, and I had no idea. I was like, okay, fine. And we go to some place and have a discussion or whatnot and maybe eat some balls t- uh, tomorrow or whatever. And um, then when, when I was at his, uh, his door, I realized, okay, this is not only me <laughs> out here. Like a round table of <laughs> long drivers. <laughs> no, it, no it was not long drivers, but there was a lot of people oh, really? at his place. Yeah, he, he always has a lot of people at his place. Yeah, friends he's he's living with or business partners or like yeah, yeah. the whole like crew kind of. Yeah. That's uh, They're always together. And like 10 minutes later, it turned out that that's a really fun group. <laughs> So we you enjoyed a, yourself and, and you had a, a good lot, time and we had a lot of fun together. We played like ping pong at his place and had like a couple of steaks. I, I didn't have like meat for a long time actually during that period. 
And um, his steak was one of the first steaks that I had that I actually enjoyed. Ah. <laughs> so he, well, his steaks are actually pretty good, and because he he's doing them a lot, but um, it just clicked. Like the whole, not only Bryson, but the whole crew. Yeah, like yeah. It, it was you just locked it, it in. Yeah, it, it just it was just perfect, and I really enjoyed that time. We had some balls together here and there. I had some like good like the the cool thing about this is. He's always experimenting, right? Yeah. He, he, he's always trying to find out what works and what does not. And, yeah. and I'm the same way because I know that I, I will never figure this out, but I'm trying to get as close as yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's the same way. And we, we really enjoyed that. And we, I mean, we started pranking each other and so on and so forth. And then what happened is that's how the whole Regency thing actually came about in Mesquite at Worlds, which was like a month later. Um, Hogan, Molson, actually approached me and was like, hey, can you come to our hotel room this night? And I was like, yeah, sure. He's <laughs> like, hey, can you come by yourself? No questions asked, or what? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> come by yourself, so. Because I, I, I had a feeling, right? I felt like they're going to prank me. You know, something is going to happen, something funny, and I love that stuff. So I went to their hotel. I showed up. They've all been in that room, and they were like, okay, Martin, so we have the following plan. Look. We want to found a content creation group and we feel like you would be a really good fit. And this is our plan. And it all started from there. Oh, wow. that's, that's how it went, right? That's how Regacy, we didn't even have the name yet. We were still looking for a, for a name, right? But it was like on paper, it was very clear what this group is supposed to reflect, supposed to show, supposed to inspire, to entertain, to educate in all different areas. And with Hogan and the fitness on the fitness side of things with myself on the speed slash long drive side of things. And with Bryson, I don't know what he's good at, but it's some stuff, yeah. some, 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 some bits and bobs, some, some stuff, cooking steaks and ping pong. He's pretty good at <laughs> cooking pong. steaks. He's and actually ping pong. pretty good at ping pong. And, um, that was a pretty good fit. And then with all the stuff that we're doing at the moment with Regacy, like we're just, um, posting a video today with a crew of people, like six fans out on course that play a knockout match for, prices so it's it's very very funny so the variation of content is just so cool what we can set up together and that's how it actually came about so it was from a dm because i hit the ball far to this and when i think about that i sometimes have to pinch myself like what's actually happening and if if people like back in the days when i quit my job and i i had a fairly good job with like pretty good potential for the future people ask me like hey martin how can you like well, drop this for that, a sport that that's actually not existing in Germany or Europe and is a niche within a niche. Yeah. And why are you actually doing this? And why, why are you cutting your income in like third in the very beginning? And well, it was like, because I feel like I enjoy this way more. Yeah. And I, I feel like I can grow a lot more in this direction. And if it doesn't work, whatever, right? You know, the, the German mentality is a lot about you're not supposed to fail when you're doing something job wise. In the US, that's a little bit different. Like there's pros and cons to that mentality too. But they're like, let's try. And if we fail, whatever, we just start again, right? And I kind of I, I thought about this a lot. I cried a lot about this as well with my wife and so on because we we had to figure out what to do. And now since we have a have a little kid, he, he just turned one. That is another well, aspect to the whole story as well. But at that point in time, um, 
well, it it was just a gut feeling of myself that this is gonna be okay. Yeah. And now I'm hitting golf balls, uh, doing content with Bryson DeChambeau, being really good friends with him, um, with all the Registry stuff, and I'm hitting golf balls and um, well, hitting and being on the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. Oh yeah. So if you yeah. if you can zoom in on his eye, we'll go. You've got a little bit of a bruiser. <laughs> And doing stuff like this. I mean, when when you see my, you mentioned this in the last video, actually. You said like the long drive stuff kind of sounds or looks very barbaric. Yeah, I feel it like is. that's the word you've used, right? <laughs> so Martin, and, as soon as he got off the plane today, he kind of walked through and I was like, he looks like he's got a bit of a black eye there. I don't, I'm not sure if I should like, ask him or not. And he was walking down yeah, the he cave, like, man. He's like, yeah. <laughs> With a club on his back, one club. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I must hit balls. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Borkmeyer. How have you got that black eye on your face? <laughs> That's pretty much what happened, guy. That's pretty much what happened. So go on, what happened to your eye? So the day before yesterday, I um, was doing a speed push, and I didn't make it over 2.30 for various reasons. And one is the balls, but different story. I don't blame the balls. I blame myself. But um, I hit 229.4, and then right after, I miss hit a ball. And I was, well, flicking my driver or throwing it up a little bit to catch it again. And I didn't catch it. So it hit my eye. And so, so that was not very smart. That was very barbaric and very <laughs> stupid. Don't do this at home, kids. But it's like these sessions, these like speed pushes, when you're really turning into beast mode and just try to push it as hard as you can, are a part of the long drive training. It's yeah. not everything. It's just a part of it, right? Yeah. It's the speed push. And this is actually pushing up your speed reserve to be faster with all the clubs. It's pushing max speed also helps out on course. And I tell that all the time, like, hey, guys, and Bryson also when he was doing speed training, that's a huge part of it. But most guys, especially tour pros, they don't really dare to go down that road or feel like this is not for me. Because in the very beginning when you do this, you see shots that you've never seen before. Yeah, and these and tour pros would be scared of that. And you're like, I can't play like that. Mm. And they see their bank accounts fade away. I'm like, yeah. no, okay, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen. But these are actually pushing up your speed reserve. And then you swing in the same with the same smoothness or intent like you would usually do out on course, but you're just faster. I, I've done a tiny bit of speed training recently since seeing you last time, and it's only a tiny bit. I, need, I would like to do a little bit more. I felt like that when I've upped my speed, and we saw 119 when we were down in London, yeah. even on that very same day, I said, I turned to Guy, I think you were doing a little bit with um, Steve Furlonger, and I said, I'm just going to hit one what feels like normal now. And I actually proved 115 miles per yeah. hour at club Which speed. before you couldn't get when you are trying to crank it. So I was like, that that's what I would like to do. I would like to increase my my maximum potential possible so that my, my normal feels fast. It is faster. For all the listeners then, right now, let, let's wrap this up with so a couple of kind of top tips for people listening to to let's do it break it into two models give me three main points for technique of hitting the ball further mm -hmm. and then give me a couple of top tips to actually train that as in practicing to get maximum speed so what, what's your what's your three technique technical aspects that can help you swing faster okay so there's not only, so to all of this, what I'm saying now is not only a maximum speed aspect to it, but also an efficiency aspect to it. That's very important. People need to figure that it's not only about getting faster, but also actually using the body and the technique to be faster without trying hard. So yeah. what I'm saying now is not about the easiest tip would be go smash it. No, this is not what we're talking about. So all of this is also a lot of efficiency involved. 
First thing, dare to lift that left foot off the ground at the backswing. So during the backswing, left heel, heel. lifts up. Yeah, left heel and that, lifts up. That extends your reach in the backswing, right? That does two things. First, it helps you with rotation. Right, because you can rotate your hips more. That means you can rotate your torso more, and you yep. get more out of everything. Yeah, actually. Then, and that's the second part. By doing that, do not only rotate, but also use your body to actually move up. So allow yourself to elevate your body in the backswing. We've we've all probably been taught at some point that we have to keep our head at the same position the whole time and keep it still yep. to be as consistent as possible, right? Yep. But the golf motion is a very athletic motion. So I encourage people to try this and at the same time use that foot to elevate yourself. Okay. Go, so go up. There are two things in the backswing. Genau. Genau. There's your German. Look, you were asking me earlier if I think in I German. Know, what was that then? Genau. Yeah, genau means exactly. <laughs> oh, I thought <laughs> you meant like. <laughs> you, you, I thought it was like, you know. I thought it was like, you know. Sometimes genau. it's the subconscious things that happen or just. Well, come out of your. I must admit, you speak mouth, whatever. Outrageously good English. It's unbelievable. I'm trying. I'm trying. I've never. I've never spent a lot of time in the US. It's all school English, but I'm learning. But the, the one word then that, um, just to clarify to our listeners, lifting your body up, mm -hmm. the, the whole body, body. everything. So, so everything is elevating up. Okay. Yeah. So then, um, next downswing. Okay. Think about it this way. When you're on your way down, a lot of people that I see try to get narrow in the downswing. So get their hands close to the body. What lag, lag. A, of a term. That's what people do when they think lag. But actually lag is not being created by pulling your arms towards your body. The opposite is actually happening. So what we try to do is actually we want to push our hands out. Because what's happening is we create a wider arc on the way down, a longer hand path. So we have more time to accelerate that. And at the same time, when I do this, that angle is actually getting more acute. And that's what we call lag. So you're creating it with your wrist, but yeah. you're extending it with your arms. Exactly. So I'm pushing out that way. So actually a little bit, sometimes that's my cue at least. I try to press my thumb up here. This thumb against this one. Boom, out there. So... You don't necessarily have to follow that step by step, but being aware of how this is actually being created and how you use your body and how that makes the whole move more efficient is the first step to go. Love it. And then whack it. Then whack it. <laughs> and then if someone wanted to actually train this sort of stuff, what, what should they look to do? Um, As in like practice. You've mentioned to me about doing speed sessions one every 10 days. Okay, you mean in terms of programming. Yeah. So I... One, one very important thing to speed is you cannot be fast every day. You need recovery. So you cannot practice speed every single day. Some might do it, but I don't see the best results with no. that. So uh, grant yourself a couple days of recovery to do your speed sessions, but do it consistently. And I tell people, like, do it once a week in the very beginning. That's right, okay. okay. But stick with it and track your process over time, how everything evolves. Because you won't feel it. You won't see it. Because you're always with a current status and feel like I'm not gaining anything. But when you look like look back six weeks, you see like, oh, right. Of course. I made a bit of progress here. Well, that, Track it. It's like anything. It's like if you were, you want to try and lose weight, you don't always know it straight away. But you'll know it over a long period of time. If you're, if you're trying to do anything 
those little tiny tweaks and changes, as long as it's an upward trajectory on your on your target, you're achieving what you want to do. Absolutely. Um, that's amazing. I'm really happy with that. I feel like we've dived into absolutely loads. No, I have. I hope that you win the World Long Drive. Me too. Um, I'm excited. I feel like from knowing yourself and a bit more kind of seeing Kyle and obviously Bryson who's brought so much attention to it, I feel like I'm more kind of aware of the sport. Yes. I always kind of knew about it, knew who Joe Miller was, etc. But I feel like kind of rightly so it's getting attention. So I'm going to be watching this year. Uh, when is the Worlds actually? Uh, that's early October. Okay. And I mean, the approach that I chose with my YouTube channel as well is a little bit different. I just try to show everything. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm super transparent with everything. Uh, a lot of people reached out to me actually from my peers in the long drive sport and are like, "Why do you give away your secrets?" I'm like, "Because I want to grow this." Yeah. Yeah, and I don't feel like it's secrets. A lot of people are secretive about their things, but do the tiger approach, right? I don't feel like uh, we're at that point of time that that's the way to go. I no. feel like the more we can put out there, the more people will will pick it up, try it, get better. The more people will try and qualify, will turn up at events, and so on and so forth. So that, I mean, at least I believe that. So, well, all, all I can say is the more people we have, the more people enjoy it, and the more people watch it, the more successful we will be. And if you think... Sometimes I do that, not very often. The more entry fees that get put in, the yeah. more money that goes the into more the eyeballs. Pot, yeah. The more ka-ching, more eyeballs, more sponsors. Yes. That's also a reason. Yeah. Um, so how many of, just last question then, how many events between now and October are you going to, are you in? Eight. So there's eight events. So one pretty much every month. Yeah. From now up until October. Yeah, every four weeks, yeah. Exciting times. Well, keep us up to date. Um, if you don't know, Martin's got a, a YouTube channel as well. Definitely worth checking out. I just mentioned it then. Um, I'm a big fan of it. I think you do some great stuff on there. And I think now with your insight that we, we've give you a little bit from Guy today, gave you some insight on your channel, uh, you'll also be probably catching us on subscribers soon as well. Willing to learn. Hopefully not. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Martin, you've been a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, good luck again at World and the rest of your season. And uh, that was a pleasure. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it, guys. You've got a plane to catch. Let's get you to the airport. Thanks for having me. <laughs> really? Is it no, that no. late? It's half three. Okay, we gotta leave. We got time. <laughs> Cheers, Thanks, mate. Guys. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.